All right, I'm back. Uh, first, thank you everybody who listened and thank you to everybody who gave me feedback. That was really awesome. Um, it was cool to know that people were willing to take the time and listen to it and let me know that. So I appreciate all of you for doing that. And um, no one told me not to make another one. So here I am. Not it. I'd like to add that if somebody did tell me not to make another one, I probably would still do it just because, you know, F the system, can't tell me what to do. You're not my mom. Unless my mom told me to stop, I probably would. Just so you know. I probably wouldn't. That's that's not true. I'd probably tell her where to shove it. So, anyways, um, last week was like a little introduction to me. Um, and, uh, squirrel fights, the squirrel fights are a real happening in my front yard today. There are no squirrels so far. Um, I think it's too cold for them. I think they're chilly. I also didn't leave them food last time, last night. So this morning they didn't have any um, snacks. So, and I don't feel like going out there and feeding them and they're just going to fight over it. So. They're why they can't have nice things. Um, the cats are a little ticked off because they're looking out the window waiting for their little buddies. But I, think, I think the cats will get over it. So, yeah. Um, this episode will be mostly about my divorce and my experience with it. How I coped with it. How I really did not actually cope with it very well. And how I got my act together and fixed myself. So I, I start with the year 2014 um, because it was the craziest freaking year of my life. Um, other than obviously 2020, that's like the weird unspoken crazy year for everybody. But uh, 2014, I started out, I was pregnant. I had my son in March. I felt absolutely head over heels in love with him. And I didn't know it at the time, but I had postpartum depression. And postpartum depression isn't what like TV tells you it is, you know? Um, I thought the reason I didn't recognize it was I thought it was just, you know, being like not wanting to, you know, get up and help your crying baby and just sitting there and crying and just for some reason I just had interpreted postpartum depression as not wanting to be a mom and disconnecting yourself from motherhood where for me it was actually being obsessed with motherhood um I would rock him and cry I would cry when he'd leave to the babysitter and I know this is normal for most parents but to the point where I was always crying and hormones play a huge role in that it is really sucky to deal with crazy woman hormones because we're already a little nutty and then you throw in some baby hormones and we're super nutty but I didn't recognize it necessarily as postpartum depression. I just thought that it was a part of becoming a mother. They always tell you, oh, your hormones and emotions. It's, it was, I was overwhelmed with love and I was terrified of anything happening to him. I was obsessed with, and this is also a, an anxiety thing. So I, I probably, 
I like to tell people that I, I don't really identify as having depression. I have anxiety and anxiety opens the door and tells depression to get on in. Like anxiety is depression's Uber driver basically is how I look at it. So I have depression, but it's driven around by anxiety. Who's like, Oh, look over there. Isn't that crappy? Yeah, it is crappy. Let's be sad about it. So I think postpartum depression probably for me manifested because of anxiety and it's really tragic because I didn't understand what it was. And so then that's March he's born and I spend from March to May just loving on him. But then I have to go back to work to my really crappy retail job. Um, I was a store manager at a game shop and I mean, I liked the thing is, is in general, I did like my job. I just didn't like being a salaried employee. <laughs> um, and I was working like 50 hours a week and it, it's just, it's retail is taxing and it wasn't a good fit for me. I mean, it was. It would have been a perfect fit for me if I had a different lifestyle, but it just doesn't work for me. Um, so I go back and my first day back, um, I get robbed at gunpoint. First day back from maternity leave, right as the store was going to close. I was within minutes of seeing my son. First time away from him. Um, but nope. Someone came in with a ski mask, which is why... Uh, people wearing masks during this COVID stuff has been a really, really difficult time for me because masks are a PTSD trigger for me. So they send me into a, a bit of a, a tizzy, but I've been doing pretty good. I'm proud of myself. Um, but anyways, tangent, uh, he came in with a ski mask and he had gloves on. It was hard to identify what he looked like. And he started you know, yelling at me to get behind the register and me being me, um, not realizing that he was serious. I thought he was coming in like as a joke. So I didn't take it serious. And I asked him if he was coming in to reserve some game that was coming out soon. Um, I even welcomed him. Like, Oh, welcome to game. I hope you are here to reserve blah, blah, blah. Anyways, he didn't like that, and I don't blame him. He just wanted to get in, get his money, and get out. And in my defense, people showed up in that store dressed funny all the time. I mean, I had people dressed up as like furry animals. It's, it wasn't bizarre for me to see somebody dressed up in a robbing outfit, you know? Um, but it was real. It just didn't seem real. And honestly, it was probably like a minute of my life, but it felt like an hour. Like every second was a minute it was crazy so yeah I turned around and I walked towards the register and I feel something cold and metallic like heavy like metal pressed against my back through my shirt um so it was a gun and um that scared me but I was uh it was like I wasn't thinking clearly, so I wasn't thinking about it. I was just, all I was thinking about was get this guy this money and get him out of here. So I get to the register. My other staff member was already there. 
I try to open the cash register and I keep getting my password wrong. The guy's yelling at me. It's absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> so I give him the money. And this is kind of funny. So I'm putting all the money in and I start to grab like the loose quarters and dimes that are in the register. And then he yells at me and he says, I don't want that shit. Yeah. I see. I see. <laughs> he said all of it. I took him very literally. So he leaves and he, you know, he does the whole, don't call the police because I'll be watching you. It's like, all right, dude, like, you watch too much TV. Um, of course, I'm nervous, so. Okay. <laughs> I'm just weird. I'm weird in awkward situations. So it still doesn't hit me yet, like, what's going on. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just kind of in autopilot at this point. And I call 911, and I, I tell them, and I'm a little freaked out. That's when I start, like, explaining what happened. And I'm like, oh, God, that just happened. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I wanted to throw up because it was just so overwhelming. Um, and, uh. I'm not going to do a whole episode on the robbery, but I'll, I'll, I will, but not now. This isn't it. It left me with some elements of post-traumatic stress disorder. And I, I didn't bother talking to the right people about it because corporate sent me to somebody and he just talked to me for 20 minutes and was like, Oh, you're great. You can go back to work. You know, there was, there was really no uh, genuine follow-up on that. So, and I, I went right back to work the next morning. I was in the police department doing whatever till one o'clock in the morning. And then I was back in the, wow. Okay. So yeah, I, I was back at the store at 8am and working again. And I just was on autopilot. I was, it was, it was difficult, but I didn't have PTSD like the, again, I don't fit the mold. I didn't have postpartum depression like the TV shows you. And I didn't have PTSD like the TV shows you. Because I wasn't, it wasn't like, uh, it wasn't like I was in the army and I heard a firework and I go hide under the table. PTSD. It was triggered by anxiety and, and obsessions. And so I was obsessed after that at the thought of dying. And I never really talked about any of that to anybody because you can't. That would scare the living daylights out of anybody who cared for you. And I want to differentiate. I wasn't suicidal. And, and that's where it was hard to draw the line. I wasn't suicidal. I just was obsessed with dying. Um, I kept picturing the scenario where the guy just shot me and I died. And I, you know, left behind my son and it was okay because, you know, he didn't have to get to know me and, and he gets to grow up with someone else as a mother and he'll be fine. And, you know, I just, it was, I was obsessing about all these scenarios where I died and I was enjoying them in some way. And I, I would never have acted on it because I love my family and my son too much that that never would have happened. But I mean, if I would have kept entertaining those thoughts, who knows where, where it would have gone and what kind of, uh, choices I would have made but I wasn't able to identify that as PTSD until I actually got real <laughs> counseling and therapy um, but so none of this has been talked about and you know we're in I would say let's fast forward to 
uh, July, August, and I'm sad. I'm withdrawn. Um, but on the outside, I'm happy and I'm active and I'm just this happy mother. But on the inside, I have postpartum depression. I have PTSD. I have anxiety. And I can't talk to anybody about it because no one wants to hear about it. Nobody wants to hear about how you are fantasizing about being shot and you're obsessed with it. Um, because that would make people uncomfortable. It should. That's disturbing. And then I was like, geez, they're going to think I'm suicidal and they're going to commit me. So I can't necessarily <laughs> talk about it. Um, but mental health counseling is extremely expensive. So I couldn't even afford at that time to go talk to somebody because I was in a marriage with somebody who really didn't value that type of, of finance being spent at that time. It would have been all on my shoulders and he wouldn't have helped me. And I know that because he didn't help me <laughs> financially. It was his money and my money and it was all separate. And then we'd agree to pay, you know, split things down the middle. And it usually worked out, but you want to know why it usually worked out? Because we didn't communicate. If there was an issue, like PTSD, postpartum depression, anxiety, we didn't talk about it. Um, if something was bothering him and, and I'd know it, it's, you know, it's that whole chick thing where it's like, what's wrong? Or is everything okay? And I'm fine. That's how it was with him. So I'd ask him, what's wrong? What's bothering you? I'm fine. Everything's fine. And you, you know something's wrong because he's <laughs> but he's not going to tell you what's wrong. But he will. Two months from then, when you do get into an argument, uh, he'll dig back into his little uh, notebook of angry moments. Then, then he'll let you know. Yeah. When it's too late and he's been stewing about it for two months. So that's part of really what contributed to the divorce going forward was, or the relationship degrading, I would say, not the divorce. Um, I didn't see it then. I can see it now. So I could, I could see it, but I can't. You, you don't understand what's happening until after it's happened, right? Unless you're really in tune to these things. So we were young. So I could feel aggression from him. Um, I think, you know, he, he was upset with me that financially I wasn't pulling my weight um, at the time. And he didn't know the, the demons I was dealing with. And, and that's, that's on me, but it's also on him because when you're married to somebody, if they start acting different, you talk to them about it. And you, you want to hear what's wrong with them and you want to help them, right? That's love. That's compassion. That's what you agree to when you commit to somebody for the rest of your life is to be compassionate and understanding and love them and help them not ignore them, not expect them to just pull themselves up by their bootstraps and carry on. You help them. So it just didn't work. And he was growing further from me and I, I felt it, but I didn't think it was actually going to happen. I mean, it was one of those things where it's like, we've been together for 10 years. Where's he going to go? Like I have a son. I'm, I'm his the mother of his child. He can't leave me. And um, he, he ended up getting a second job when I was pregnant um, at a hardware store. And 
he wasn't home a lot. So, and I wasn't either in my defense. I was working a very, very difficult retail job. So I had, I had a lot of things stacked against me. And I'm sure he, if we were to talk to him, which we're not, um, he would have a lot of things going on on his plate. The problem was we weren't talking about it. So, you know, we get into October. We took a vacation together. and life felt fine. It felt like a happy little family, but he did feel distant. And that's, I just thought it would fix itself. And then we get to November and we are getting ready to go to a friend's Christmas party that we go to every year. And uh, he comes to me and my parents are on their way over to watch my son while we go out. And he says, I have to tell you something and I could tell something's bothering him. I kept asking him, but he kept saying nothing. Finally, he says, I have to tell you something. I, I don't love you anymore. I don't feel anything for you. I feel no affection when I look at you. All right. So I'm going to stop here for now and make this a two-parter. Um, so part one is over. Um, Sorry it's a little late, too. I've actually been working on this for, like, a week. Um, but life is getting in the way. And I think it actually makes sense for me to distribute um, new episodes on Sundays. Because that's when I have a little more free time. Um, and some more private time to sit down and edit and get it all done. Um, also, I bought a microphone, like, that plugs into my phone that's not earbuds. So you might notice next time, hopefully there's less fiddling around and um, hopefully clearer sound. Um, and we'll go from there. But I'm going to end it here. And hopefully I wasn't rambling too much. It's really hard when you don't have somebody to stop you. Like if you're having a conversation with somebody, they usually will say like, oh yeah, totally, I agree. And then you could have some side conversations but uh this is just me rambling and i'm starting to think that i'm crazy because i'm talking to myself <laughs> but it is fun and it's oddly therapeutic so um i suggest you reach out to me so that you can do the same you can do it with me so it's not as awkward and also stay tuned for google docs i will release them with like a little survey of questions and how i can contact you um, if you're interested in speaking with me and recording it. So I'm going to sign off and release part two shortly.